0: chapters 12 through 14. That's the plan. And we'll begin with the listing of the military victories of Moses and Joshua as recorded in Joshua chapter 12. Chapter 13 talks about the lands yet to be conquered on the west side of the Jordan River. And it reflects on the inheritance of Israel also on the east side of the Jordan. So we get a Rehearsal of the two and a half tribes that took their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan River, and that has happened a number of times already. And finally, in chapter 14, it really looks at the courage of Caleb, a man who wholly followed Yahweh and was able to say to Joshua, Give me this mountain. And so, Father, we do pray that you would be with us as we look into your word tonight. May it minister to our souls. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Joshua chapter 12, we have really a rehearsing of 33 kings that have been conquered by Israel. Uh, Two of these kings underneath the rule. uh, He wasn't a king, Moses, underneath the uh, guidance of Moses as he was their leader, but not king. God is king. And then the other remaining 31 kings there with Joshua as they entered into the promised land. So I actually wrote two for the key verses. One speaking of the children of Israel took their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan River and the other speaking of those who took their inheritance on the west side of the Jordan River. So verse 1 of chapter 12 says, These are the kings of the land, whom the children of Israel defeated and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river of Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. And the beginning of verse 7 says, And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west, from Baal Gad, to the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Helech and the ascent of Sire. So both of those kind of dividing the chapter, just listing out the exploits of Moses and Joshua and their conquest of 33 kings, which the Lord gave the land to the children of Israel to possess. So 1 through 6 tells us, and these are the kings of the land of the Children of Israel defeated whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river of Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern plain Jordan plain Sion king of the Amorites who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead from Arior, and that is on the bank of the river of Arnon to the middle of that river even as far as the river of Jabbok which is the border of the Ammonites and the eastern Jordan plain that is from the Sea of Chinneroth or the Sea of Galilee that we know it better. As far as the Sea of and the Salt Sea and the road to Beth Shemoth and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. And so that really describing to us in a sense, we get the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Dead Sea. Um, you can picture Israel and the map of Israel in your mind even now and quite a bit of territory on the east side of the Jordan River and then he goes on to say in verse 4 King of Og, King of Bashan in the territory who was the remnant of the giants who dwelt in Asheroth and that of Edrai, and reigned over Mount Hermon and Silca." over, over Bashan, as far as the border of Gershurites and that of Malchathites and half of Gilead as far as the border of Sion, king of Hishban. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So there's going to be a lot of uh, names that I'll read tonight that I won't pronounce very well, but I'm going to do my best. As soon as I stood up here to put my Bible up here before the service, I I stood up here and I thought, oh, yeah, I wanted to read through this one more time. Uh, Test run through the scripture. I didn't do that, so we're going to do it together. But the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and a half-tribe of Manasseh, they took their possession on the east side of the Jordan River, in the conquered city of Sion, king of the Amorites, and also of Og, king of Bashan. And Sion had taken the lands away from Ar, king of Moab, as his possession. So he had conquered the territory himself, and Israel had now taken it from him. Moses had offered him peace and actually offered, just let us pass through your land And if we should stray off the path, if we take any food or water, we'll pay you for it. And Sion refused. He actually gathered his army against Israel and uh, refused to let them go through the land. So they came out against Israel for war. And God gave Moses and Israel a great victory over this king. So It was a battle that need not have been, and he lost his territory. He could have been neighbors of Israel, but um, sometimes the heart of people is so hard that they refuse to go the path that would be for the benefit of their people. And in this, the king and all his people paid a high price. And then we read about Og, his neighbor, as they shared a border. He came out against Israel. I looked around in a few of the passages and uh, it seemed for Og there was no offer of just let us come through the land. He offered that to Moab. He offered that to this of Sion king of the Amorites. But Og came out against Israel and God promised I'll deliver them to you as I did. The king Sion, I'll deliver Og to you as well. And this is a big deal. We read about the bedstand, or some of the theologians theorize that they're not talking about his bed frame, they're talking about actually his coffin. So either way, the bed he slept on or the gray, or the uh, coffin he was buried in measured some 13 to 14 feet long and 6 feet wide. And the kingdom of Sion embraced about 1,500 square miles and that of Og about... Uh, 3,000 square miles so qu- quite a big territory and uh, they fought off one of the Giants so I titled tonight's message fighting Giants and I titled that based off of chapter 14 and then I had studied chapter 12 and 13 and prepared those last for last week's teaching and I forgot that they mentioned Giants as well Og king of Bashan these two battles stand as a great testimony as Sion, king of the Amorites, is recorded not only in Numbers 21, uh, verses 21 through 32, also in Deuteronomy 2, verses 26 through 37. Og, king of Bashan, is found in Numbers 21, 33 through 35. And he gets a little bit more story in the accounts of Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. But they stood as a testament to God's ability to deliver the children of Israel from their enemies. So much so that we find in the Bible that these two kings, Sion is mentioned 37 times, while Og is mentioned 22 times. And not only in the Pentateuch or the book of Joshua, but all the way over in Psalm 135, verses 10 through 12, it tells us, He defeated many nations and slew the mighty kings. Sion king of the Amorites and Og king of Bashan and all the kingdoms of Canaan and gave their land as an inheritance an inheritance to the children of Israel so in Psalm 135 they only mentioned two kings but now as we continue on they're going to mention not the kings only one I believe is mentioned by name but the kingdoms and uh, 31 of them that Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on the west side of the Jordan River. So again, we pick up reading. Here we go, all these lovely names. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west, from Baal Gad to the valley of Lebanon, as far as Mount Halak, and to the ascent of sire, which is which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions in the mountain countries, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So that's kind of a common listing of the nations that they would conquer. Uh, Sometimes they have one more in that. The common listing is that of the Hittites, the the Amorites, the Canaanites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And then he lists out these 31 kings. He says, the king of Jericho, one, the king of Ai... Which is besides Bethel, 1 The king of Jerusalem, 1 The king of Hebron, 1 The king of Jarmuth, 1 The king of Lashis 1 The king of Eglon, 1 The king of Gizer, 1 The king of Deber, 1 The king of Gedder, 1 The king of Hormah, 1 The king of Arad, 1 The king of Libna, 1 The king of Adullam 1 The king of Makeda one, the king of Bethel one I think I just said the power tool instead of the uh, country there but we'll keep going on the king of Tapua one, the king of Heper one the king of Hefek one, the king of Lesheron one, the king of Madan one, the king of Hazor one the king of Shimron Miran one, the king of Akshef, one, the king of Tanakh, one, the king of Megiddo, one, the king of Kedesh one, the king of Jokin- Jonahim in Carmel, one, the king of Dor in the heights of Dor, one, the king of the people of Gilgal, one, the king of Taiza, Taiza, Tirza. I don't know why I'm saying Thai. Tirzah, one in all kings, 31. So 31 plus, including uh, the other two that were already listed with Moses that makes 33 kings that were conquered here in the promised land. So the conquest, pretty significant. Joshua was faithful to divide these lands to the remaining, the lands of the 31 kings to the remaining children of Israel, the nine and a half tribes that would occupy the land itself. And Israel was used by God to bring judgment upon a very wicked people. That's one of the questions a lot of people have. Why all the wars? Why did, I mean, these are dubbed holy wars. And we've had people call wars holy wars that are really not. Um, but why did God do this? Why Uh, such killing in the Old Testament. And sadly, we find that these were very wicked people that God brought judgment upon. The sad thing is a lot of the things that they were doing then, our nation is also doing. And here's an explanation of it that we find from Leviticus 18, 20 through 25, where at the bottom of this explanation... God will say to the children of Israel, so this is a do not to the children of Israel, but he will say to them, when we get to the end, I'll repeat it again, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. So we're going to read a little short list, and God is saying, this is why they're being cast out, this is why I'm judging them, I don't want you guys to fall into the same same sins, and so Leviticus 18:20 20 through 25 says, "Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her, adultery. You shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech, abortion. Nor should you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord." You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. Homosexuality, it is an abomination. You shall not mate with any animal to defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. Bestiality, it is perversion, God said. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. And so, here in Joshua chapter 12, we merely have the listing of the 33 kings, but back in Leviticus 18, we find what was going on in their land, and this is just a little glimpse of what was going on the a perversion that was there in their land. There's other things, no doubt, that they were committing these abominations, perversions against the Lord, just as our own nation. And it's my prayer that we would be a people who would strive to live holy and acceptable lives before the Lord. We're going to meet two of these men in chapter 14, where it literally says of them that they wholly lived and did the will of God. So using that word holy, um, that's how I desire to live before the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you do not present your bodies, <laughs> that you do, forget the not there, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed To this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So God, um, gave the lands over to Israel, and here they have a listing of these kings that Israel had conquered, either through Moses or through Joshua. We get to Joshua, and I love verse one, and I put it down as a key verse, Joshua chapter 13 and it's the chapters about the land yet to be conquered but I love chapter uh, verse 1 in this chapter because God tells Joshua you're old <laughs> I'm waiting for the Lord to come and tell me that <laughs> Joshua 13 1 now Joshua was old advanced in years and the Lord said to him you're old advanced <laughs> in years and Joshua said tell me something I don't already know and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Now, this is not a condemnation for Joshua. Joshua had did his part in leading the children of Israel and his time was coming to a close. We are not given the age of Joshua anywhere except for in Joshua twenty four twenty nine, where it tells us that when he died, he was 110 years old. And, uh, We can only assume, and it's merely an assumption, we'll see it in chapter 14 again too, because Caleb tells us his age when he went in as a spy into the promised land and how old he was when he came to Joshua and said, give me this mountain. So Caleb tells us, I was 40 years old when we spied out the land, and now I'm 85 years old. So we have this 45-year span that Caleb reveals to us, and we sometimes assume that Joshua is of the same age as Caleb. It could be true. One could be a little older than the other. We have no other information than that. But if they were around the same age, then it would mean that the book of Joshua records a period of about 28 to 30 years. And we know that here Joshua is getting older, and it's time for him to divide the land remaining to the tribes of Israel. Even though Yahweh told Joshua that there was very much land yet to possess, it did not mean that Joshua had failed in his duties. He would, he had done. We just saw. I mean, how many people have conquered 31 kings and their kingdoms? He had done quite a bit that we looked at in chapter 12. But God never intended for Israel to totally possess the land all at once. If you recall in Deuteronomy 7.22, the Lord God said, He would drive out the nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the fields come become too numerous for you. And so they were never intended to drive them out all at once but to take the territory little by little. And we learn also as they grew numerically that God left the other nations in the land to test Israel. In Judges 3, 1 through 4, now these are the nations which the Lord has left that he might test Israel by them. And I skipped the listing of these nations on this one. That is, all that had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. And they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So God wanted Israel to know war. He wanted them to obey his commandments. So he tested them by the nations that remained. And it seems that knowing war can draw people closer to the Lord. I know some people can get drawn further away, but I mean, here in our own church, we had the testimony of Cole, Cole Yost, who is now a, a Navy chaplain. The last time I messaged him, he was over in Australia and uh, should be there for a little while, I think, but, um, he's a Navy chaplain and he served his internship here with us. And he said when he was a Marine that he was on the banks of the Euphrates river and just one night cried out to the Lord and said, God, if you real, I need to know you. And it was kind of a simple prayer like that. He didn't even know how to pray the name of Jesus. All he did was cry out to God. And he said, I woke up the next morning and everything was different. And, uh, He went to the uh, store there on the base and went to buy some Christian music. So the next day, he's like, I need to listen to Christian music. They only had two CDs, he said. Jeremy Camp, who came out of the Calvary Chapel movement, and uh, Michael W. Smith. So he bought them both. And he got to know those songs fairly well on those two CDs. But um, God did a work of restoring Cole and Pamela's marriage and uh, bring them back. He trained up to be a heating and air conditioning guy before the Lord called him into ministry. And he went through the whole thing from Bible college to seminary that he could become a Navy chaplain. And God challenges us. War can challenge. Uh, battles can challenges us, challenge us. And it can be difficult times. It doesn't have to be a physical war. But hard times tend to cause people to strip away the things that are really not necessary in their life. Well, times of peace and easy times cause us usually to take on a lot of baggage that we don't need. And so this was healthy for Israel. So God never intended for them to take the land all at once. Joshua hadn't failed, but yet he was still called to divide the land for the children of Israel. So we pick up again in verses two through seven. This is the land that yet remains in all the territory of the Philistines and all of that of the Gersherites and that of Sihor on the east, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron northward, which is counted as Canaanite and the five Lords of the Philistines. We'll get to know the five Lords of the Philistines rather well in the book of Judges, the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, maybe I'll learn how to read them better by then, Uh, the Gedites and Ekronites, and also the Avites from the south and all the land of the Canaanites of Meera and belongs to that of Sidonians as far as Aphek and the border of the Amorites and the land of Gebelites and that of Lebanon toward the sun from Belgad to Mount Hermon as far as the entrance of Hamath. And so he's taken us. Mount Hermon is um, you can get to the base of Mount Hermon in Israel, but the mountain itself, I believe, is um, Syria, Lebanon area. So we're far north in modern Israel today. He's already mentioned Egypt. Uh, So we're talking about the vast land of Israel that as we know it today. Verse 6, All the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon, as far as the brook Misrioth, and all the Sidonians, I will drive them out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore, divide the land as an inheritance to the nine tribes, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So just a lot of the territory that, if you look at a Bible map today of Israel, this is pretty much the territory that was being described, maybe a little bit further up into the area of um, Syria and Lebanon today, but always bordered with Egypt. The border of Egypt has always been consistent. And then um, they're talking about the west side of the Jordan River, so all you have to do is follow the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River, um, empties into the Sea of Galilee, comes out of the Sea of Galilee, goes down to the Dead Sea, so everything west of there. Um, so that's kind of all of the West Bank from Israel's perspective, from the Bible's perspective. Uh, it's called the West Bank a little different today. But the Lord gave this accounting to Joshua of all the territory yet to be conquered by Israel in all the territory, although there were a great many nations still occupying cities, God promised them, I will drive them out from before you, from before the children of Israel. Only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance. And so the dividing of the nine and a half tribes that remain, uh, Joshua prepared actually their future generations of the role that God has had planned for them. And we likewise are, I believe, responsible to help future generations of worshipers to occupy the territory for Christ that should the Lord delay His coming, we need to uh, prepare the next generation. And so this is what Joshua is doing. He's preparing the current generation and the generation that follows them For and several generations, actually, for the work that God had for them in the future. We should be doing the same. It could be that the Lord could come back tonight and take us all home. But if he chooses not to, then we have a responsibility of preparing the next generation of worshipers. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. How key that is, that it's done with love, but that we would stand fast, we would watch, that we would be brave. Why would you think he'd have to say that? Well, usually... If you have to be brave, there's things that could be out there that's frightening you and be strong. And how do you gain strength? Well, it's by working those muscles, the might that the Lord has given us. And that could be spiritual muscle and it could be physical as well. So here we go. A lot of reading. 8 through 33. How frightening for me. <laughs> with the other half of the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them from Arior. Ar, Arior I'm just going to skip it, which is on the bank of the river of Arnon. If I think about them too much, I just make it worse. And the town that is in the midst of the ravine and all the plain that is in Medeba as far as Dibon and the cities of Shion, king of the Amorites who reign in Heshbon as far as the border of the children of Ammon Gilead and the borders of the Gershurites and that of Malchathites and that of Mount Hermon so this far north in Israel all of Bashan as far as Salka, and the kingdom of Og in Bashan, which reigned in Asheroth and Edrai, who remains of the remnants of the giants, for Moses had defeated and cast these out. So here we have a second mention of the giants. Remember, I titled this Fighting Giants. So second mention of the giants. Nevertheless, The children of Israel did not drive out the Gershurites, the Machethites, the Gershurites and the Machethites, dwell along Israelites until this day. Only the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance, and the sacrifice of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he has said. And Moses had given to the tribe, the children of Reuben, and the inheritance according to their families, which... Territories from the bank of Arion, and that is the bank of the river of Arnon, and the city in the midst of the ravine, and all the plains of Medeba, Heshbon, and the cities of the plain. And we just read many of these, so I'm going to skip down through this. Verse 21, the cities of the plain, the kingdoms of Shion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses had struck with the princes. This is new information. For us, but if you remember when Moab came out against Israel, there were also the Midianites came to battle with them. So there's a combination of the two, and we'll get to uh, Balaam here in a minute. But we have the princes of Midian was with him, and they named the six princes here. Actually, four are named here. I thought it was six. And they were princes of Shion dwelling In the country. So the children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, son of Beor, the soothsayer. Among those who were killed by them in the border of the children of Reuben was the bank of Jordan and the inheritance of the children of Reuben according to their families and cities and their villages. Now, the land of Gad, we find Moses had given them an inheritance, the tribe of Gad, to the children of Gad according to their families. And their territory was Jazer to the cities of Gilead, half the land of the Ammonites as far as Ariar, Ariar I can't say that. I don't know. I'm going to keep skipping it. Uh, Reba, and then Heshmah and Ramath, and Mishpah, and all these names that I love reading to you guys. So again, he mentions Sion, king of Heshbon as far as with the Jordan and its border. So similar territory. So Reuben and Gad are taking some of that territory of Sion king of Heshbon to the Sea of uh, Shinarith, which is the Sea of Galilee. And this is the inheritance, verse 28, of the children of Gad, according to their families and the cities of their villages. And then the half-tribe Manasseh, verse 29, gave an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It is for the half-tribe of the children of Manasseh, according to their families, their territories, and he goes on to list out. Now this is Og, king of Bashan, the territory of this king, and all the cities connected to that, 60 cities in all. So it tells us, remember earlier I said they had um, 3,000, Acres, I believe, are longer than that. Let me get back to those notes. The territory that they were talking about um, for these two kings were very great. 1,500 square miles for the king of Sion of the Amorites and 3,000 square miles for that of Og and the half-tribe Manasseh taking that territory as their inheritance. So quite a bit of territory for them. Alright, verse 32, these are the areas which Moses had distributed in the inheritance of the plain of Moab, the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward. But in the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. And the Lord their God, Israel, was their inheritance as he had said to them. So that's been mentioned twice. And Israel, um, the tribe of Levi will be mentioned several times because God had become their inheritance Numbers eighteen twenty, the Lord said to Aaron you shall have no inheritance in the land nor shall you have any portion among them I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel and that's a really good attitude to have God is my portion Lamentations three twenty four, the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore I hope in him So here we have listed out in the remainder of this chapter the territories of Reuben, Gad and the half-tribe Manasseh. And uh, those are the ones who received their inheritance from Moses on the east side of the Jordan River. Next week, we'll begin talking about the inheritance of the remaining nine and a half tribes. But before any of that happens, Caleb shows up and he says, Give me this mountain. One of the things we think about before we move on to chapter 14 with the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe Manasseh, they had intended to stay close to the Lord, but they were some of the furthest territories away from the tabernacle and temple of the Lord. When they, and we'll learn here in the book of Joshua, when they go home, They'll build an altar, a replica of the altar at the tabernacle, and they'll almost go to war over this altar building. And these two-and-a-half tribes never meant to worship on the altar, but merely to have the altar there by the river to remind them that they're connected to Israel on the west side of the Jordan River and also to remind the Israelis on the west side that the two-and-a-half tribes on the east side They're connected to us as well. It was built to be a reminder. But the distance between them and the tabernacle of God, though they intended to stay near, eventually they drifted away and they would be some of the first to go into captivity. And it seems that this mindset often happens with people as they slowly begin to drift away and eventually fall away. And sometimes it may start with just by missing church a day or two here and before you know it's um you know they're showing up every other week and then it's only once a month and then ultimately like a lot of people in our nation it's maybe twice a year if that and there is a third time people like to go christmas easter and mother's day i don't know why father's day don't doesn't get rated in there it's not a good thing but um those three could get unchurched people to church, but we to stay near. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. And uh, Ephesians 5.26, my radio ministry uh, titled after it, The Cleansing Word, which my Bible cover says as well, Um that we are washed by the water of God's word. And I think by staying near and uh, hearing the word of God being proclaimed, by reading the word of God, by being with brothers and sisters in Christ, we build up one another. It helps us to stay near. So we find those that were given their possession, all mentioned here, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, And then the Levites are mentioned, but they receive no possession because Christ is their possession. So before we get into the dividing of the nine and a half tribes of the land, and they begin to talk to it about it in verses one through five of chapter 14. But then Caleb shows up and he says, give me this mountain. And so we'll have that as a key verse, verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard it in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So over the next several chapters, we'll learn about the dividing up of the land which Eliezer, the priest, Joshua, and the heads of the tribes of Israel will do by the casting of lots to determine the portions of land that each of the tribes will get. But before any of this takes place, Caleb shows up and he requests his inheritance that God had promised to him 45 years earlier. That's a long time to wait. But he was ready to take the land. So before we get to that, verses one through five, these are the areas with the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer, the priest, Joshua, the son of Nun, the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and a half tribes for Moses had given the inheritance of the two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan. But to the Levites, he gave no inheritance among them for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land, except the cities to dwell in, and their common lands for the livestock and property as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did, they divided the land. And so, The remainder of this chapter will deal with Caleb, but here we're setting up really the several next chapters as we follow from 15 on about the division of the land to the nine and a half tribes. And those dividing would be the high priest, Eliezer, who kept the Urim and the Thummim, uh, which is a way that they were able to determine the will of God. And with Eliezer was Joshua as he was leading the nation at this time. And then the leaders of each of the tribes. And here we also learn in verse 4, the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, receiving an inheritance in place of Joseph and Levi. And so we talk about the 12 tribes. Well, two things. You talk about the 12 sons of Jacob or 12 sons of Israel. Manasseh and Ephraim will not be listed because they were grandsons. So Joseph and Levi would be listed as they were actually the 12 sons, or two of the 12 sons. But when you talk about the 12 tribes of Israel, Joseph and Levi are rarely mentioned. Every once in a while, once I think in Isaiah, once you'll have it listed over in uh, Revelation again. They're not listed, but Manasseh and Ephraim are listed. And so we find in two places in Genesis 48, 5, this is Jacob taking Ephraim and Manasseh as his own. When he's blessing them in Genesis 48, 5, he says, Now to your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before you I came to you in Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simeon. They shall be mine. So Jacob claimed them as his own they are mine now this was prophecy but I don't believe Jacob actually knew why he had no idea that um, Levi and Joseph Levi would be um, become God's inheritance or the inheritance of Levi would be God I should say it that way that's how it's worded the inheritance of Levi would be God not land and he didn't know that Joseph wouldn't be numbered among them. Perhaps he did, but the Bible doesn't tell us about that. But he spoke forth what would become a truth to the nation of Israel. And then in Numbers 35, 6 through 8, it says, Among the cities which you give the Levites, you shall appoint six cities of refuge, where the manslayer slayer shall flee. Also add 42 cities. So the Levites would have 48 cities spread out throughout all the land of Israel and the cities which you will give shall be a possession for the children of Israel from the children of Israel from the larger tribe you shall give many from the smaller you give few each shall give some of his cities to the levites in proportion to the inheritance that each receives so God spread out the tribe of Levi throughout all the promised land and the priests came from the tribe of Levi and all the others who came from the tribe of Levi, if they were not of the priestly line, they served at the temple or tabernacle. And so you had people who worked at the temple, worked at the tabernacle, priests or servants, but they were spread out throughout the land to remind the children of Israel to whom they belonged. But I like it here. Over the last few weeks, I had pointed out that Joshua's faithfulness to the Lord to do all that Moses had commanded him. We read that in Joshua 4.10, in Joshua 11.15. Now in 14.5, it tells us that as Yahweh commanded through Moses, so Israel did. So here it talks about the faithfulness of the whole nation. And that just reminded me of the impact that one person can have on others around them, it could be either their family, their friends, their neighbors, strangers, or even a whole nation. All we need to do is remain faithful, and God can use our faithfulness to point others to Jesus. So it was six through nine. The children of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinsenite, said to him. You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb's testimony, it's amazing. He was 40 years old when he and Joshua, the other 10 spies, went into the promised land for 40 days, came back. Joshua and Caleb brought good reports. The other 10, well, they're they caused the people's heart to melt with their bad reports of the land. They said, as it's recorded in Numbers 13, 32 through 33, they said, a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw giants, the descendants of Anak, from the giants, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. So they brought such a report back. Men of great stature, giants, who were like grasshoppers. There's no way we can take it. And in the same portion, I didn't put it in my notes, but they talked about the great walled and fortified cities that they had. And yet Caleb reminded Joshua of how he brought back word, to Moses, that which was in his heart. In Numbers 13.30, he said, Let us go up at once, take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. He had the confidence needed. And truly, Caleb was a man who wholly followed the Lord his God. He said so himself. Hey, I wholly follow the Lord my God. But did you also notice that It was said of him as well. So he said in verse 8, I wholly followed the Lord my God. And then Moses swore on that day saying, so now Moses said, surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and to your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. It's good to have a testimony. I'm a Christ follower. It's even better when people can verify it. (laughs) It's like, yeah, he's for real. He's a Christ follower. He loves God. And Moses verified that. But it even gets further. In Deuteronomy 1, 34 through 38, we read, The Lord heard the sound of your words. He was angry. He took an oath saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give them, except Caleb... He shall see it. And to him and his children, I am given the land which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. So now we had Caleb's testimony, Moses' testimony about Caleb, and now God testifying about Caleb. That's even better. of God saying, yeah, he's one of mine. He's a good guy. The Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in the land. This is Moses talking Joshua, the son of Nun, stands before you. He shall go in there, encourage him, for he has caused Israel to inherit it. And so the Bible testifies that both Joshua and Caleb were men who wholly followed Yahweh. And we just read that of Caleb in Numbers fourteen twenty-four. Caleb, because he had a different spirit in him, he has wholly followed me. Again, God testifying of this. And then in Numbers 32, 11 through 12, we find that of Caleb in verse 12 and that of Joshua, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And so now God testifying of them. And that is quite a testimony to have. So we continue in verses 10 and 11 of chapter 14. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said... These 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. So Caleb not only wholly followed the Lord, but he also understood that it's the Lord who had kept him. Here I am today. I'm still alive. So now there's the opportunity for me to take my inheritance. And then he said, I'm still strong. Now he had been tested in battle, no doubt. They've been warring for several years now. For at least five to ten years, Israel has been engaged in battle. And Caleb has testified, My strength for war has remained, for going out and coming in. That phrase, you read it with the kings as well. It's talking about going out for battle and returning. And there's a lot of people who can go out for battle. Not everybody comes back. And so he says, I have strength for war, for going out and coming in. And he's ready at the age of 85 to claim his inheritance. Psalm 103, 2 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness in tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagles, that you are renewed. And Caleb's in that place. He said, I am still strong. Now give me this mountain, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, give me this mountain, of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. That's a Hebrew word for giant. Anakim was there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. I love that. It may be. It's like I'm going to take the step of faith. I hope I'll be able to drive them out as the Lord said, but without taking the step of faith, he would never know. So he says, it may be that the Lord will be with me. He'll only discover that truth once he goes forth to battle. Verses 13 through 14, or 15. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jethunah, as an inheritance. Hebron, and therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jethunah, the Kinzenite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among Anakim, so among the giants, then the land rested from war. So they finally came to this place of rest. But Caleb's bold request, give me this mountain, the mountain that God had promised him. He said, I'm ready to go forth and take it. Just give it to me. But he also knew that on that mountain was a race of giants. On that mountain was fortified cities. And yet, And just think about that. If you knew anything about warfare, the advantage of warfare is to be up on a mountain, not coming up to attack. So they had not only heights, strong cities, but they had the advantage of height as far as being on a mountain as well, and the advantage of height as far as being giants. And yet he said, give me this mountain. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And it's evident that Caleb's faith in God had a faith that could move mountains, and I pray that we would have such faith that we might go forth and be able to take those mountains that God has given us and set before us. There could be giants. There could be great and fortified cities. There could be battles that are unexpected. May it be that we would have the faith that can move mountains. As Jesus said in Mark 11, 22 and 23, I'll close with these Two verses. Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he had done, he shall have whatever he says. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage of Caleb and that of Joshua. Men, Lord, who are willing to go forth and to do all that was commanded of them. For them, the commandments came through Moses. But their faith and trust, Lord, was in you. For us, Lord, our, our marching orders in many ways comes through the Bible and through your word. Maybe through specific verses of scripture. Maybe the word will come through another brother or sister. But Lord, I pray when we hear your voice, We know your will that we would have the faith, even if we have to wait years, to be willing to say, give me this mountain. Help us, Lord, to be giant fighters. And though there are not physical giants on this earth any longer, there are large issues out there in this world, very frightening and troubling issues. So help us, Lord, to be brave, to be strong, and to keep our trust in you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.